0: Well, good morning to you all. Thank you for having me here. I've been here a number of times through the years, and it's always a delight uh, to be back here and see what's happening. Connecting with Andy and Brian in particular, I have been very encouraged by uh, what I hear, how the Lord's moving in your midst, how he's using you and catalyzing you not only to come together as a church family, but also to put your eyes out into the community and into the world. And that's something that really resonates with me, is lifting up our eyes and looking to the fields that are white with harvest. One of the roles that I presently have is to serve with an organization called Biblical Education by Extension World, B-World. And I've been uh, serving with them since the mid-80s. And we bring pastoral training to areas of the world where there is restricted access. Most of them are, are communist countries or areas of oppression. And I can remember, it was about my second trip around 1986. I had come out of the train station in uh, communist-controlled Romania, and I, I came out looking for someone who was supposed to meet me, and nobody was there. But I had been given instructions that across the street from the train station there would be a large tree. And I should go to that tree with a postcard in my hand and just wait there. And make eye contact with someone. And that's what I did. I waited and watched. And then there was that knowing look from a young man with... uh, dark hair, and we we had that knowing look, and he started to walk, and I started to follow him. And as instructed, I followed for a period of time until he was secure that nobody was following us. And then he came up, and he introduced himself, speaking English, and he said, my name is Doro. Welcome back to Romania. I followed him, and we went to his small little apartment, and as soon as we entered the door, he put his finger to his lips saying, shh. And then he led me over to the kitchen, a small little rickety kitchen, and we we sat down at a table, and he, he reached up, and he turned on the radio to a static channel. And he turned that way up, and that hissing noise filled the room. And under that, we began finally to talk in low tones together. I've experienced that and many other experiences behind the Iron Curtain and more recently in other parts of Asia, where we are under surveillance. That we are under attack. Did you know that this coming Thursday, February 1st, China is instituting new laws in 24 pages of new laws that are go on the books in order for them to eradicate missions and missionaries that exist in the country. And there are hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of missionaries in the country. And now they are seeking to deport them, to find them out. A couple of churches have been destroyed that we have been working with and Uh, the, The local churches are now under the control, much more so, of the government than ever before. We're under surveillance and under attack. I also read this past week that the Lebanese Central Intelligence figured out a way to hack into Android phones. If you happen to have one of those, We might be a little suspicious this morning because they can read the email, they can read the text messages, and they can access the camera and create a virtual spy network by spying through individuals' phones. Under surveillance and under attack. I had to laugh when I read about the British intelligence service that hacked into the Al-Qaeda website website. And they replaced their step-by-step bomb-making instructions with a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) And I thought, that is really cool. (laughs) That is pretty good. And at my desk at home, where I have my little Logitech camera, where I, I used for Skype, there's a covering over it when I'm not using it. Because... I'm aware that we are under surveillance and under attack. But I want to turn our attention, not from the the governments and the high-tech world that we live in today and the implications of that, but I want to turn our attention to a biblical revelation of another arena of surveillance and attack. It is found in Ephesians chapter Six, And I invite you to turn with me to chapter 6, and we'll begin with a few verses in verse 10. It is a spiritual war. It is most often an invisible war that Paul puts his finger on in these verses. And he says in verse 10, Finally, In the heavenly places, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the day, in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. We learn from this passage, as it is confirmed in many other places of Scripture, that we have an enemy that we have an adversary and that your adversary attacks he's not neutral he's not silent he's not inert he is active and he attacks his name is satan also known as in scripture as the serpent the evil one the devil the dragon beelzebub Lucifer. In fact, the very name Satan means adversary. And the Bible exposes him as a, a liar, a deceiver, an accuser, a tempter, and a divider. And the Bible clearly contradicts the secular view, the, the trend in our culture, to relegate anything that is invisible, anything that is spiritual, to be in the category of suspicion superstition, wives' tales, unfounded, unreal. If you can't feel it, if it's not material, if it's not reproducible in the laboratory, then it doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. And if you want to call it faith, go ahead and do that. But the scripture reveals to us a whole different world. It pulls back the curtain, doesn't it? And it reveals to us a reality that goes far beyond the physical world that we see. One pastor, Archibald Brown, says, The existence of the devil is so clearly taught in the Bible that to doubt it is to doubt the Bible itself. This was an adjustment for me when I first came to faith. It was a month before I headed off to college and I uh, trusted Christ at a Billy Graham crusade and I went off to college. And little did I know how my life was going to change and my worldview was going to change as to who I was, what was real, what was going to happen in the future. Then, when I began to engage the scriptures and that curtain was peeled back. And one of the things that was a surprise to me was that this whole devil-Satan thing was a real thing and that there is indeed right now an invisible battle taking place with evil hordes at Satan's disposal. Now, how convinced are you that there is a devil? I mean, we live in a culture where it's, it's becoming in the minority that there is such a thing as a devil, as a personal devil, as evil, as Satan. But the scripture reveals that. But what the scripture reveals, interestingly enough, is exactly what we have been singing about. There is a huge difference between the person of God and this person called the devil, God is eternal, almighty. The devil is a creature. One of the the best books that I uh, have read on the subject is called The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. And there's just a a point that he makes here that I'd like to point out. He says, It helps to remember that Satan is a created being, he is not God's counterpart. Some religions have a dualistic view of supernatural power. There's a battle between good and evil, and we hope the good wins out, but that's not biblical at all. Scripture is very clear that God is omniscient, omnipotent, and infinite. Satan is none of those things. He knows a lot, but not everything. He has power, but not nearly as much as God's infinite power. And his capabilities are not limitless. There are things he cannot do and places he cannot go. But one of the things he does do is to attack. In fact, when the apostle Peter wrote his epistle in 1st Peter chapter 5, he said, "Be on the alert for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, what, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That image of a, of a lion slinking in the underbrush and watching carefully. Have you ever watched uh, those miniature lions we call cats in the backyard? You know, stalking a bird, stalking a mouse, and their, you know, little movements, and they're watching, and then... They pounce. That's the imagery that Peter gives us in 1 Peter. The imagery that Paul gives us in our passage, which we're going to look at in a moment, is an image of flaming arrows being shot by the evil one. Flaming arrows aimed our way, coming our way to destroy and to hurt and a wound. Now, this flaming arrows really was the uh, it was the, the latest weaponry, state of the art back in Paul's day. The arrow with some kind of a, a fuel on the end of it that was lit, and by the by the thousands, you've probably seen in films. You know, they pull back the arrows and the archers launch these arrows and they, they stream up into the sky and then they rain down upon the enemy. And the, the fiery tipped arrows then, like Molotov cocktails, just spread that flame and hurt and destroy the enemy. That's the image that we have in this passage Flaming arrows being shot our way by the adversary. Well, what are these arrows? Well, he has uh, quite a few options available to him, but there are, are five common ones. I just want to highlight real, real quick in our study. Um, first is doubt, discouragement, delay, difficulty, and depression. It goes with devil, doesn't it? <laughs> doubt. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. Has God said that? Can you really trust him? Are you sure that's what it means? Doubt. Discouragement. Oh, nothing's ever going to change. You're just going to be stuck here. You're going to keep at this, and nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to go your way. It's just going to get harder and harder. Discouragement. Delay. Lord, how long? I've been praying about this. I've been waiting for you. I'm looking for a change. I'm wondering about my job. I'm wondering about my family. I don't feel, I don't see any answers. Delay. Difficulty. Lord, I thought marriage was going to be mostly fun. (laughs) This is hard work. This is difficult. I thought children were just going to be a delight, but, you know... (laughs) This is really hard. This is complicated. And depression. As the whisperer whispers to us, you know, it's not going to change. You're not going to get any better. Things are going to get worse. There is no way out. Nobody's going to come to your rescue. You might as well just curl up into a cave and be depressed. Now, I'm not saying that these things are all fiery arrows sent from Satan. They're, they're circumstantial, they're uh, psychological, they're medical, they're all kinds of things. But if you get hit by something and you say, where did that come from? Has that ever happened to you? It happened to me just the other day, except I knew where it came from because I anticipated since I'm speaking on this subject, it's going to come. And there it was. But if you get hit by something, and where did that come from? I didn't see that coming my way. It could well be that it's one of the fiery eras from the guerrilla warfare of Satan. And Paul says to us and to the Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand. It's as if Paul, in writing this, looked outside his window and he could see a, a, a Roman soldier there in all of his military equipment. And he began at the helmet and he described the military equipment in this armor in Ephesians chapter six. But I would like to just select one of these pieces of the armor and focus on that in our study today. And it is found in verse 16, Ephesians chapter 6, where we were before, and verse 16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows. Of the evil one, the shield of faith. The shield of faith protects. That's why it's a shield, because your faith is a protection for you. Now, when you think of a shield, maybe you have in mind Captain America, and he has one of those kind of round shields about like this, and he kind of holds it, and he's warding off everything. But the word that is used here for shield is a word that uh, refers to the larger shield of the Roman equipment. It's a shield that was about four and a half feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. And a soldier would soak that shield that was made of wood and leather in water before the day of battle. And when those flaming arrows come, he would put that shield up and it would stick in the shield and it would extinguish the arrow. Not only that, but the Romans and probably other civilizations too uh, invented the tortoise formation. So when those they saw those arrows going up into the sky and they knew what was coming next they were going to rain down upon them they got in their formation and they were all side by side all the way around and the ones in the middle put their shields up above and it created a tortoise shell of protection That's the image of our faith Your faith protects That's the role of your faith. Your faith protects. And the faith that protects is a faith that is dynamic. It's dynamic. Notice Paul says, taking up the shield of faith. The other ones you just put on and they sit there. (laughs) The helmet on your head and the breastplate that you have and the covering of your shoes but the shield you take up and you direct that shield in the direction of the attack. You see, the present tense faith that we have is the shield of faith that Paul is talking about. It's not the faith that I exercised some 49 years ago at a Billy Graham crusade. It wasn't saving faith. Now, that's protection in and of itself. But the shield of faith is the present tense faith. It is the faith I exercise now. It is my active trust today in this circumstance with this problem, with this attack. I exercise faith and trust in the living God. The shield of faith is a dynamic faith. It is active trust in God's character, in God's purposes and promises, and in His timing. Let me say that again. I've given a lot of thought to this in my 49 years of faith. The faith that we're talking about, the shield of faith, is active trust in God's character, in God's promises and in God's timing. So when there's a delay in my life, when I'm felt like I am abandoned, that nothing is going to change, and nothing is going to happen, I pull up my shield of faith, and I quote scripture. And I say, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also freely with him? Give us, give me all things. When I think that God has abandoned me, that he is taking care of other things in the universe, and I have to fend for myself when the whisperer is saying, take matters into your own hands, you're standing alone. Then I take up my shield of faith, and I remember Jeremiah twenty-five eleven. For I know, the Lord says, the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. We just sang about that. We sang about the truths of God that are the shield of faith that we raise when the attacks come that would cause us to doubt, that would cause us to despair, that would cause us to not trust the living God. And so faith is active trust in God's character, in His promises, and in His timing. Did you know that uh, faith is not uh, whistling in the dark? It's not. Oh, I got to generate more faith, and I've got to. I got to take a step contrary to what I know is true, and therefore I'll honor God because I know this isn't true. But uh, you know, I got to convince myself. I got to go along with the spiritual crowd. And that's not what faith is. You remember in John chapter twenty, when uh, the resurrected Christ appeared to the disciples. I mean, they were all convinced he was dead, he was buried, we were wrong. And then he, he shows up. And they're ecstatic. They're now believers. One was missing. Remember his name? Thomas. Thomas wasn't there for the first appearing. And they came to Thomas and they said, Thomas, we have seen the risen Lord. He is not dead. He has risen from the dead. And Thomas said, wow, that's great. no. Thomas said, no way, Jose. This is the modern translation, by the way. There are two parts of this. He says, no way, Jose. And then he says, what have you been smoking? I think it's in my modern translation that I see. What have you guys been smoking? And he said, until and unless I see him and I put my finger in his side, I see the wounds I will not believe. About a week later, Jesus shows up to Thomas. (laughs) And he enters the room. And he comes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, reach out your hand. Put your finger in my side. Look at my hands and feet and see that they are pierced, and be no longer unbelieving or doubting, but rather believe. You see the the faith that we have is based on evidence. It's not a leap in the dark. It's evidence of God's faithfulness. It's evidence of God's truth. It's evidence of God's character. Again and again and again and again and again. And because of that, when we face the unknown, when we face the fiery arrows, we take our stand. We have our shield of faith. We extinguish the attack. You know, but the great thing about this faith is that it grows. Faith Grows. It's not a static faith. It's not a doctrinal statement waiting for your signature. It's not even the Apostles' Creed waiting for you to memorize it. It's a muscle. And like a muscle, it needs to be exercised. And as it is exercised, it begins to grow stronger and stronger. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow by it. So it was my second year in college. I was uh, a year and a half old in the Lord, and I was clueless. I was still trying to figure out what just happened to me at this Billy Graham crusade. What was that all about? You know, I... I felt a stirring, but where do I go from here? What does it mean? And I, I connected with a group on campus where they began to disciple me. I began to get in God's Word. I began to look up the passages, and I, all of a sudden, I was hungry and thirsty. And I would be reading the scriptures, and I would have a tablet next to me. You know one of those old-fashioned ones with the yellow head. You need actually have a pen or a pencil to write on? One of those kind of tablets. And I would have that, and as I read the scripture, I'd say, well, what in the world does that mean? Who is that person? How does that relate to this? And I'd get then into the second verse, and I'd go through that again. Well, how does that relate to the, how does this, what is happening here? Who's writing this, and where are they writing it, and why are they writing it? And I would just fill this tablet with all these questions, and I would get together with Jody, who was our, uh, he was a recent seminary graduate he was the, the very first and just came on campus our second year campus crusade director and I'd get together with Jody and I'd just you know go down through my list we still laugh about it and every time I see him I have I still have another list and say hey Jody what about this are you hungry Are you thirsty? Is your faith growing? One of the great things I hear about what's happening here in the church is the opportunities that they are giving you to engage the word of God, to engage your faith, to exercise and to grow and to stretch and to develop. And oh, how I exhort you, don't pass it up. Don't pass it up. No matter how long you have been walking down the path of faith or walking towards the path of faith, don't miss out on being a part of having your faith fed and exercised and nourished and that faith muscle strengthened. And you know, through all of this, the good news is really that in the midst of the spiritual warfare, we fight from victory, not for victory. The victory has already been secured. John wrote that the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And in the very next chapter, he says, greater is he who is in us, that is Jesus Christ inside the believer, than he who is in the world. We fight from victory, not for victory. The battle has already been won. We raise the shield of faith and we extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one because the victory has already been won. As James put it, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you because the victory has already been won. And yes, today we are under surveillance and we are under attack, but there's an appointed day. There is an appointed day. It's a day of judgment. It is a day of accountability. It is a day of the Lord's return. And when that day comes, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to grab Satan by the scruff of his scaly neck, and he's going to throw him into the lake of fire forever. But until that day, beyond the alert, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Equip yourself with the armor of God and take up that active faith in order to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's pray together. Our Father, these things are, are so far beyond us that we, we find ourselves in, in desperate need of you. It's a good place to be because it's who we are. We, we are finite. We are creatures. We, we, know, we can't even take this evil on face to face. We need you. But you have given us yourself greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world you have given us faith you have given us your word you have given us promises you have demonstrated your character again and again and again and so Lord as we leave this place as we enter the battle again even as it's raging around us help us to be alert to these flaming arrows and enable us to lift the shield of faith so that you might receive the glory and Satan may be defeated. I pray this in Jesus' name.